Welcome to the 30-Minute Hour. It's the weekly podcast where we discuss business, sports, politics, and whatever's on our mind. I'm your host, Eric Twiggs, your procrastination prevention partner. Joining me is Ted Fells. He is the business strategist extraordinaire, and he's also a world-class softball player. Oh, let me tell you about the game yesterday. What happened at the game yesterday? We won the first game. Oh, man. Man, I was on fire. It was my best hitting game of the year. They couldn't stop me. Couldn't stop you. Could not stop me. Three for three, four for four. About, about three for four with a walk. Okay. Yeah, I think one time they intentionally walked me. Yeah, they were scared of me. Mm. So then game two, you know, we, we felt really good about, you know, how we won game one. And they got out to a, uh, got down by about 10 runs real quick in the second game. But we wow. had to come back, but still uh, still lost the second game. But played well overall. Okay. Yeah. So Excellent. So now I think we're three and five for the season. Three and five, three but you're on the comeback trail. You're on the comeback. You're on the comeback. All right. I know the listeners have wanted to hear about what was going on with that, so I thought I'd share that today. Yeah, no, everybody's on the edge of their seats, like, how did Ted do in his game? That's right. Never mind the, the business side of it. Never mind the inspiration. How did Ted do in his baseball game? You got it. You got That's it. That's what it's all about. That's right. That's all right. Great game. Well, congratulations on the victory. Thank you. I know there's going to be more to come. Yes, absolutely. Except for when you play the cues, but that's a... Oh, that's going to definitely be a big one. Okay. All right. All right. Well, next we've got Britton Smith, and Britton is the Renaissance man. He is the man who refuses <laughs> to be pigeonholed. Count your blessings, not your problems. Count your... <laughs> I'm inspired. Just by him saying that. Count your blessings and not your problems. So we've got him back online now. Hopefully this is a sign of things to come. You know, it's never two weeks straight. Though. Never two weeks straight. No. no. Where no. where are you, Brittany? See, that quote came from, that was a Meek Mill, a Meek Mill rap line. Because okay. I'm representing from Philadelphia today. Okay, Philadelphia. All right. Representing from Philly. Getting a cheesesteak while you're out there, Brittany? Mm, yep. No, no, not yet. <laughs> well, again, everybody, just keep in mind, Britain always calls us from a remote location. We call it a remote location because there's actually a remote chance that he's there. <laughs> so, <laughs> he's our renaissance man. Catch That's, me if you can. That's it. Catch me if you can. Catch That's you. It. All right. So it's Not Your Everyday Podcast, and you can find us on... Social media, Facebook, by typing in the 30-minute hour. You can find us on Instagram. You can find us on YouTube. Again, keep in mind before you find us that we are not your everyday podcast. We do things a little differently. And as always, Ted, I have something on my mind. That I, I have something I need to get off my chest. Something on your mind and something that you need to get off your chest. That's right. Please. So I have at it. So I, I want to call this part of the show, find a way to make it happen. Okay, okay. That's right, Britton. You have to find a way to make it happen. And, you know, I, we have our guest. She's coming on, and she's going to be talking about what she does. And I think this fits in. I was really thinking about this. So I had this business owner that I used to mentor, and I don't want to put his name out there. We'll just call him Tom, right? Mm. We'll, we'll go with Tom. I don't want to put his name out there. I used to mentor him, but he would always have re this one reason for not doing things. You know, we would talk about starting a website. We talk about updating his blog. We talk about hiring his replacement. And he always had the same answer. Hiring his replacement. I wouldn't be rushing to hire well, hiring somebody to run the day-to-day -day operations okay. so he can work on the bigger picture. Okay. He was stuck in the weeds of his business. Got it. And his response was always the same. I don't have time. So I said, hey, did you get it done? No, Twigs, I didn't have time. I mean, he would get combative with me sometimes and say, well, you don't get it. You know, I've got to answer these phones. I've got to wait on these customers. I've got all these daycare issues. I don't have time. I didn't have time to get it done. I'll do my best, but get off of my back. 
right? To his mentor. That's what he said to his mentor. It, right. it was rough. All right. It's a rough thing. Right. Man, I don't have time. Right. I felt like I was just putting pressure on him. Okay. So I called for his. I called to his office, and I was talking to his assistant, and she was telling me he was on a, a smoke break. Mm-hmm. I called another time, and he was on a smoke break. And I started thinking, I started talking to him. We did some math. And it turns out he's doing, he was smoking an hour a day. So how is it that he had time to smoke? We didn't have time to update his website. Yeah. How did he find the time? So here's what it taught me. That, that time was always there. It was something, the smoking was something that's important to him, right? Yeah, obviously. Obviously, right? So he found a way to make it happen. And then I, and I saw this quote that, that really stuck out to me, that if something is important to you, you'll find a way. And if not, you'll find an excuse. Right? Yeah. So this, this idea of not having time doesn't exist. I mean, you, we even think of, we're, we're all Greek, right? right. We're all in the, these Greek letter organizations. Yeah. Like, I've never met a future Q who told me, Eric, I didn't have time to make it to the interest meeting. That has ever happened with the campus? No, no, they always make time. Uh-huh. Britton, have you ever experienced that? No, no, not at all. Right. So they move heaven and earth because being a Kappa or being a Q is important to them. Oh, yeah. And when it's something is important to you, you make the time. Sure. When something is a priority for you, you make the time, you'll find a way. So the solution is to link the things that are important to you to what you have to do every day. Okay. You know, having goals, knowing what your values are. So I tell you, you do this thing with the whiteboard yeah. for your company to keep people aligned on what the company goals are. How does that work? You know, it's always important just to kind of be able to put things out and be able to visualize it, right? Right. So oftentimes I get my team together and, you know, they, they really kind of hate when I get up and go to the whiteboard. Uh-huh. Because really, I'm just trying to, you know, make sure that it's something that we all kind of, you know, collaborate on, put the vision up there, see what we're trying to get accomplished, you know, be able to, to implement some some accountability. Right. You know, I think a lot of times people like to just kind of talk about some things and, you know, and then a meeting ends and then you really aren't any clearer on where you're going than you were before the start of the meeting. So utilizing a whiteboard helps out a lot for, you know, for that for me. So, I mean, that's the bottom. We need to make sure we, we've got clear goals. And then you ultimately have to know what your values are. Right. Because you'll, you'll do the things that are important to you. You also do, sometimes you'll do things that come easiest to you. Uh-huh. Now, right? There's some things that I don't even have to put on a to-do list. Right. Like lunch. Right? I don't uh-huh. put lunch on a to-do list. Like lunch. Right, right. It's going to be time. When people say to me they didn't have time for lunch, <laughs> I, I, never, I never understand that. Right. You know, I'm always going to find a way to fit that in there, whether lunch is going to be at 12 or, or 3. Right? Uh-huh. You're going to get lunch in there. Um, to-do lists, you know, I'm I'm not the greatest with that either. Right. Because I end up having multiple to-do lists. Yep. You know, and you're like, okay, which to-do list do I need to, to do, right? So, right. Right. you know, but I, but I think that uh, there's things that come to you, things that come to you easiest, right? I think people tend to, to do that. Like, if you're a person that, that likes to do let's say the the website stuff yeah right? you're gonna you're gonna do that right but if you're a person that doesn't like to necessarily write and you got to do some documentation that's something that you're going to continue to to put off yeah so i think it's you'll make time for those things that you enjoy doing right, right? so like your your mentee you know he enjoyed going on the smoke break right? mm-hmm. so that was kind of his thing right so he was always going to make time for that no matter what else was going on yeah, so, so one of the things that helped with uh, my mentee, we, we started doing these exercises, and I, and I do a lot of these in my program, where we start off with the goal. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, I want to make X and X amount of money. And then I just keep asking them, why is that important to you? Mm-hmm. And, oh, because I want to have financial freedom. Well, why is that important to you? Right. Oh, because I want to spend more time with my family. Oh, well, why is that important to you? Right. Because when I was growing up, my dad never spent time with me. Mm. And now you keep asking why you really get to what they value. Mm. 
So now it's not just about making money. Now it's about spending time with my son. And we, in this instance, we got down to, I want to leave a legacy. I want to be remembered as the guy that started this prosperity train in my family. And then when, so it, now he doesn't procrastinate as much because he's really clear on what he values and why he's doing what he's doing. So. Procrastination, right? You always find a way. Hey, Brayden. Where to find your talking points? No matter what the conversation is, it somehow goes into procrastination. So please, I'm sure. Great The 12 practical principles of. Wait, the discipline of now? The 12 practical? <laughs> but, but no, it's. I bring that up because it really ties into what I guess works with. Okay. And I know there's a lot of other ways to get to what you, but I think it's just so important to really figure out what it is you value. Sure. And then I think that makes the to-do list more doable. Yeah. If, if the things you're working on line up with, you have that awareness of what your values are. No, great point. So, so, I mean, our guest, I mean, this is a good time to bring our guest on. Well, Britton, did you have anything you wanted to add to that as far as goals and values and doing what's important to you? You, you covered the procrastination part, right? <laughs> I think we got the procrastination piece oh, we covered. We missed that part. Okay, okay. But no, no, you, you, you're spot on. Um, there's a book called uh, Expecting Someone Taller uh, by Tom Holt. And he has a quote in there where it says, uh, since it didn't happen, it can't be important. Mm-hmm. And, you know, especially working in the political realm, you, you see candidates running for office and everything, and they always lay out their platform, right. the issues that are most important to them. But, you know, you know, people always look for the thing that matters to them, and I'm voting for the candidate that speaks to the issues that are most important to me. So we weigh our view of other people based on what they will find a way to make happen. Hmm. What's important to them? Right. What's going to happen? What are they going to make a way to happen? All right. Once again, Britain comes through. I'm telling you, man, that guy is amazing. Yeah. The Renaissance <laughs> man. Okay. So this is the perfect time. <laughs> this is the perfect time to bring our guest on. All right. This is right up her alley. We really want to hear what she has to say we have about a subject matter expert right, in she's, this area. He's a subject matter expert on core values. Me. <laughs> a core value SME. Exactly. Exactly. She's a pathfinder. Right. She's an author. And she's a speaker who facilitates and customizes the creation of value-based programs and solutions, solutions through the utilization of her groundbreaking value identification process. With the goal of increasing organizational effectiveness, individual fulfillment, and entrepreneurial success. She is the author of the authentic living book titled, The Things I Used to Do to Sneeze. Hmm. <laughs> Isn't that a great title? <laughs> that is a great title. And, so, here's the other thing. She is a... Proud member of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. All right, all right. She was initiated at the Hampton University chapter. Hampton. Here we go, Britain. Known as Gamma Iota. See, the Q is a Gamma Epsilon, and the Delta is a Gamma Iota. Ah. So, so she was there the same time you were there, then, right? Absolutely. She was spring 90. Oh, so we got to ask about these stepping skills, Britain. You know, we heard so much about this. The stepping skills of Mr. Twiggs, I'm sure we may be able to, to find out a little bit about that. Oh, absolutely. I, we, we needed witnesses. She might have receipts. <laughs> Please join me in welcoming to the 30-minute hour, Monica Cost. Hey, guys. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> Great. <laughs> So tickled over here listening to you all answer. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome to the thirty-minute hour. Thank you. So, when you were at Hampton University back in the day, yes, sir. 
Did you have a vision for what you're doing right now? Did you know that you'd be an entrepreneur and changing lives to the level that you are right now? Was this part of your plan? No. Nope. What I I did know, I always felt like I would have an impact on humans in general, but not as my livelihood, but just more as a sort of like a beacon, if you will. And I used to say it was because of my mother and what she instilled in me, but I think that there are certain things we arrive on this earth with that we can't take any credit for. So it's kind of like when people say, oh my God, thank you, you have to pass that right to the universe or to God because you had nothing to do with it. And I I believe that to be uh, what I ended up doing for work just happened to be my calling and, and was done anyway, even when I was in corporate America. Okay. So, so let's talk about that transition. So you were in corporate America. Mm-hmm. So so what was that like? How did you transition from what you were doing in corporate America to where you are now? So when I was at Hampton, you know, it was interesting that um, even before Hampton, when I was a young person, it's interesting the images and things that get imprinted and the stuff that, that calls out to us. But I remember on my way to my grand aunt's house, and I'm from Philadelphia, And I remember driving by an accounting firm on Kelly Drive, and the building was just so neat, and I liked the way it looked. And sometimes I would see people in business suits outside of that office, and I remember saying, I'm going to be in business. And I can just see that I was going to wear suits and that I was going to be connected to people, but I didn't necessarily know what that meant. And so I thought, you know, because I became really good at math in high school, and all the college counselors and everybody told me to uh, major in finance and accounting, which I did. And so my goal, you know, at that at that time, it was cool to be a CFO. And I'm not saying it's not cool now, but particularly for a woman and a woman of color, there just weren't that many. And that was my goal, was to be a CFO of a major corporation. And that was the path I had set upon. But what happened was, Throughout my corporate career, I ended up being the go-to person for people at all levels, and it was strange. It could be the chief marketing officer who just needed to run something by me or peers or my manager or people that I was supervising, and one of the things that they came to me for was perspective. Hmm. You know, they wanted me to to look at it and to and to help them understand the situation and to think about how they might respond to it, whether it be um, getting a promotion or responding to feedback in a in a review, or they broke up with their significant other and wanted to get back together. And I didn't see it at the time until I was talking to a dear friend of mine. And she said, when are you going to start charging people for the advice you give? And I said, who charges for advice? And, you know, she was (laughs) like, oh, sweetie, that's so cute. Um, (laughs) Lots of people. (laughs) You know, it's it's actually a thing. It's called a consultant. And they, you know, people charge good money for it. And it just, that was my aha. Well, I shouldn't even say it was an aha moment because I didn't have it. She did. But that was a moment where I started, you know, looking into, she said, you know, you're changing the trajectory of people's lives professionally and personally, mm-hmm. and it's a thing. And so I basically created a, a brochure. I remember it was a trifold brochure where I sort of took all the questions that people ever asked me, and I made it into several workshops that I offered And I just started telling people that's what I do. So I didn't talk about my full-time job. I talked about my quote-unquote side hustle. And I did well in corporate America, but I was paralleling building this, what was then a personal brand company, until, um, uh, which is a whole other story. I'll pause at this moment. But over, uh, I'd say, Seven years, I was building my part-time business to mm-hmm. a point where I had um, enough clients for a business. And it wasn't even then that I thought about leaving, but I ended up getting a, a truly an angel investor who, unbeknownst to me, had been following my business online mm-hmm. and uh, and gave me an opportunity. Wow. wow. So this person, they... 
mm-hmm. they were following you online and just believed in what you were doing and invested in what you and invested in you financially basically yeah and and the, the interesting thing is you know it's the, the two of my mentors have said to me um i'm not betting on the race i'm betting on the jockey and mm-hmm. that was powerful for wow. me because it goes back to that thing, like, what are you doing when, when you don't think anyone is looking? How do you behave when you think that nobody's going to know which way you went? Mm-hmm. And that that rests with me for a long, I mean, for now, even now, it's that, you know, I, my accountability partner starts with me. I have multiple accountability partners from my finances to my work life, to just my day-to-day social life, but um, I first hold myself accountable to me, and do I feel good about the choices I've made and the intention that I have when I make those choices? Hmm. Well, I mean, you've said quite a few things that were very inspirational. I'm going even back to you knew, well, you started to know that it was time to start moving in your own direction when people just kept coming to you, asking you questions. And then, mm-hmm. you know, people were asking, hey, when are you going to start charging? I, I think that's a good mm-hmm. sign. We, we have quite a few listeners that are in a similar situation, wondering when they should start mm-hmm. moving in that direction. I, I think that's excellent. Mm-hmm. One of the uh, exercises that I have people go through, you know, people want to, uh, what do they call it, quote, unquote, pick your brain, which, you know, I, <laughs> <laughs> sometimes that gets to me. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, but one of the, the exercises that I offer them is, and I'm sure I'm not the only one and who does this, but there's this exercise called I call the common thread. And I have people split a piece of paper into three columns, and I have them first list everything that they like to do. And I mean everything. I don't care if it's smell flowers, clip your toenails, organize things, (laughs) you know, analysis, whatever that is, write it down. And then the second column is uh, what are you good at? All right, so what you like to do and what you're good at, I love to sing. I am not good at it, right? <laughs> so that wouldn't go that wouldn't go in the second column. And then the third column is what do people come to you for? And the goal is to find a common thread because when you can uh, find the common thread between those three columns, then you're on to something. And it's a good way for people to align purpose and passion. Mm. That's great. So what do you, so the columns are, what do you like to do? What are you good at? And what do people come to you for? Yeah. Yeah, that's excellent. Yeah. And if you go to the corevaluecompany.com under tools, there's a, a digital form that you can actually fill out or a PDF that you can print out if you don't recall. Excellent. Okay. Now, if you could go back in time to when you were... 19 years old at Hampton University, with the knowledge you have now, what advice would you give yourself? Take the label off the table. Take the label it's, off the table. One of, take the label off the table. It's one of my favorite sayings, t-shirts, <laughs> and, uh, and portions of workshops is that, you know, we are taught from a very young age to want things, to want to be popular, pretty, a jet setter, um, in the know, you know, whatever that thing, successful, there's all these societal labels that we are taught to chase from, I mean, it's almost birth, if we could understand, right, it's whose child goes to the bathroom, you know, on the potty first, and who sleeps through the night, and who knows ABCs, and who reads at two, and who you know, can do calculus at 10. It's just there's this chasing of these labels that um, that oftentimes have us abandon the core of who we really are. Mm. And in that pursuit of these labels or in order to keep the labels that you've been given or to prove people wrong, whatever the thing is you're chasing to get called, um, it will derail you so fast and you will wake up one day, which is why I have clientele 
you will wake up one day and feel lost, and mm. you will not know how you arrived at this place. Now, potentially, you could be at a in a place that is, you know, society would call negative. But many times, the people that I talk to on paper, people would look at their lives and say, "Now, what the hell is wrong with you? Why are you up? Why are you dissatisfied? Why are you feeling unfulfilled?" And it's because they they got lost in the wilderness chasing the sparkly things, which are the labels around the yard, mm -hmm. instead of focusing on the core of who they are. Because the reality is this society is going to label you something or another, whether it's good or bad. But if the label is based on, on something that is not true, then, then it, you don't even get the benefit of having that, right? Because sometimes people will be derailed chasing some label and then they get negative labels, and they're like, wait, 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 wait. No, that's, that's not even really who I am, but it's too late. Mm -hmm. Then you can also be who you are and still get negative labels, but at least it is based on your truth. So since people are already going to talk and people are already going to decide what your story is based on, you know, sound bites and tidbits and social media, do you want it to be based on something that you were morphing into, or do you want it to be based on the foundation of who you are? Hmm. Wow. And so you found that to be an issue for yourself, where you were caught up chasing oh, God, labels. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. That, I mean, my, yeah, until about the age of 35 hmm. when, you know, like I said, I looked up and I was just like, this is not sustainable, hmm. you know, and... And it, it's, it's interesting to have this life. You know, I was married to a gorgeous man. We had two beautiful babies, and I was the first black uh, female commercial real estate broker in the state of Massachusetts, and it was on the front page of the business section of the Boston Globe, and I was sitting on all these panels and being asked to sit on boards and, you know, had young people coming to me, sitting at my feet for mentorship, and and. I couldn't figure out why I felt so unfulfilled. And the reason is because the process that I used to build this life and the outcomes that I was getting really weren't mine. Hmm. They were other people's expectations of me. And in that place, I'm, you know, and, and I see it all the time. In that place, people are always second-guessing themselves. Did I do the right thing? Am I in the right place? Did I, but when it's yours, it's like your money, right? If you if your mother gives you twenty dollars and you blow it, you you second guessing yourself. You're more, but if it's your twenty dollars, you earned it. You're a little more clear about how you spend it. So it when it's when it's your life, your accountability comes back to you, and you can adjust. But when you are living into the expectations of others, you don't really have anybody to be accountable to because it it wasn't yours in the first place. Wow. Yeah, yep. that's very interesting. You know, one question that I, that I always hear friends ask, and I'm sure you all do as well, is people are always striving to find out about what what is their purpose, right? Mm -hmm. like, well, you know, well, you know, what is my purpose? And then when they ask you a question like, mm -hmm. like, well, I don't know, I'm still trying to figure out what my purpose is, you right. know. But I mean, mm -hmm. what what would you share with that person? I mean, I, you know, I. You know, that uh, common thread exercise, I mean, would you say you'd suggest for them to to walk through something like that to try to figure out what their purpose is, or is there some other means that you would recommend? I, yeah, I think in addition to becoming a society of label chasers, sure. we, we have also uh, settled into the comfort of categories. So people want to know, why am I here? What is this about? And they want a nice, neat answer with a bow, and they can take the top off the gift and say, voila, yeah. this is why I'm here. But here's the reality. In, in any given moment, your purpose could be different. Mm -hmm. So what I know in, in my heart, at least right now, is that I am called to help people understand next steps for themselves, even on a corporate level. If people hire me to do a leadership workshop, 
I can't start any leadership workshop without talking about core values because there's no such thing as a good leader. What does that mean? You can't define leadership. We, you can Google it and you will get 8,000 definitions because leadership is like love. You know it when it's right for you or for the organization. So when it comes to purpose, let's say if I run into, um, as a matter of fact, I just had this situation on my way home from Denver. I was supposed to be on a later flight. The weather was bad, so I got on an earlier flight. I sat next to a woman, and I had planned on watching, I um, becoming fluent in Italian. So my goal was to write and to listen to my movies in Italian. And I had my earbuds plugged in just so she knew, whoever he or she knew, I'm not talking. And I'm, I'm one who usually engages. I'm not a person who puts my earbuds on and doesn't want to talk. I usually want to talk to everybody. But on this trip, I decided I didn't want to. But the woman who sat next to me said, good, after, good morning. I said good morning to her. And she started talking, and I stayed present. So instead of reverting to my goal in that moment, I, I, I got right in the moment. My purpose in that moment was healing for her. It turns out that this woman had a very rare cancer, one in two million people. She had been diagnosed with um, appendix cancer. And although they took her appendix, it had already spread. She had decided not to go through any more chemo. She had done all the treatments she was going to do, and she was dying. Hmm. And... My purpose in that moment was not to help her find a path, right? So I don't want to be so rigid in what I think I'm called to do that I can't be present. And so purpose changes. But what you have to pay attention to is those that common thread thing, right, is I know that people for some reason, when I look across my life, people for some reason tell me things they don't normally tell other people. I don't. I didn't earn that. I don't know why. That is fabric. So what I know is part of my larger purpose is to be present for people. Hmm. And I don't want people to panic so much when they ha- when they feel like they haven't identified their purpose as much as I want them to get hmm. comfortable or, as my best friend says, to snuggle up to what people come to them for mm-hmm. because there's a gifting in that and you have to decide if you want to follow it or not. Wow. So your, your purpose changes in time. I don't think I've heard it put that way. That's profound. I think it, it, it's circumstantial. Uh-huh. I don't, I can't, I can say what I think my purpose is, but if somebody comes to me for something that I can give them that doesn't feel like it fits, in the definition, then I don't know that for that moment, my purpose is for what that person needs that I can offer, which yeah. I can't offer everything to everybody. Right. Right. I'm not the, I'm not the yes person. So like my sister says, you, you know, you don't call my sister when you need affirmation. You call my sister when you need truth. <laughs> and that's why people call me. They don't call me when they need to be patted on the back or consoled. And good, bad, or indifferent, that is the truth. I'm not the person to sit and pull out the tissues and say, yes, let's dwell on this for a moment. I'm the person you call when you're ready to go. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, Eric, I don't think I'm that person that you bring the tissues and sit down with either. No. <laughs> so don't try, so don't try it, Eric. If you come to me with the tissues, man, right. I don't know if there's anything I can do for you, man. So we have to come to Britain. Because Monica's not that person either. So no. You gotta go to Britain. Go Britain, are you that person? <laughs> no. Well, it, it's interesting. You talk about those tissues. That's why her book, things I used to do to sleep. <laughs> Yeah, that title of that book, man. You gotta Yeah, let's I mean let's go there now. So what inspired that title? What inspired you to write the book? <laughs> so I often refer to myself as the accidental author. <laughs> I you know, <laughs> because when I when I had that head raised at thirty five where I looked around my life and there were all these sparkly things that looked amazing, but they did not fulfill that feeling in the pit of my belly. I, and I thought to myself, what, why, how did I get here? 
And in that process, what I came to understand is that we all have um, the sensations that we like to feel, right? So some people like to feel loved. Some people like to feel wanted. Some people like to feel included. Some needed. Some considered. There's all these triggers we have. And in that sensation and label chasing, we, we lose ourselves. So when I was thinking, when I got to the, the crux of why I think people end up in what I call the LOM, L-O-M-B, or the land of make-believe, mm-hmm. the land of make-believe is a place where perception matters over truth. In the land of make-believe, if you went to an Ivy League school, you're smart. In the land of make-believe, if you're skinny, you're healthy. In the land of make-believe, if your social media is full, if you have lots of likes, then you're popular. So there's this A equals B mentality. Mm-hmm. But what I figured out is that and when I started asking myself, why do people do it? I said, right, they're sensation chasing. Now, when I was little, I, and it's still to this day, I love the physical sensation of sneezing. <laughs> to the point where I used to sniff pepper or, like, put feathers up my nose or, like, do some really, <laughs> really outlandish things <laughs> to make myself sneeze. Yes. I'm not proud of it, but it is true. <laughs> Thanks for sharing. I'm a sneezer. <laughs> You're a sneezer. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I mean, when my kids sneeze, they go, Mom, I'm so sorry. Only because it was them and not me. Like, because they don't really like it like I do. <laughs> and so they, they want it to happen to me. Oh, and what I did, yeah, so... I w- even when I wasn't going to sneeze, I would make myself sneeze by creating this sensation through a false means. My body didn't want to sneeze, but I was like, no, we, we need to sneeze, so let's do it. <laughs> so I paralleled that with the, the false sensations that I used or the false means that I used to get a physical sensation I paralleled with the false means that people use to get an emotional sensation. Hmm. So, for instance, if you're a person who um, who feels like you need to be included, well, there's a whole set of values that aren't core to who you are, but they are core to the sensation chasing that you apply to your life. And... What I do in the book is literally parallel, you know, we might be friends with a certain group of people in order to feel popular. Because if that's the sensation we're after, then the things we do are all about those sensations and those fake labels. Instead of allowing our core values to lead and then letting the sensations come authentically, if that makes sense. So so who, who is the ideal person for your book do you have is it was the book ideally written for a specific person specific type of person no again i didn't really what happened was i had a conversation with my best friend while i was away at actually at a work event and when i we had this really deep conversation to the point where i was in tears and that is not a normal thing not that i think anything is wrong with crying i feel very emotionally but I don't always necessarily express it that way. Right. And when I got home Sunday, Monday, I woke up, I took the kids to school and then I came home and I started typing. And eight weeks later, there was this body of work. Hmm. And then I self published it. And then people started calling me to speak about it. And what I guess in, if I, thought about it back then, it was really for Gen X, you know, it was for the people who I felt like, and I talk about that at the beginning of the book around, you know, we're the first me generation, Pepsi, you know, Pepsi was the me generation. We were all about quick, fast, do you take care of you and yours. And in that, we started having questions about the way our parents behaved, because our parents were the ultimate long livers. They were in the land of make-believe because what it looked like is what it was. And so while I thought it was for people at the time I wrote the book, if I was 30, 
seven, I would have called my target market 30 to 45. But an interesting thing started happening is as I was doing book signing, people, book signing, people were inviting their aunties and grandmoms and mothers and people in their 60s and 70s ended up in my book signing and they co-signed it. And they affirmed me in the work that I was doing and they said, don't stop talking. And some of them were saying, I would like to try what you're suggesting, but it is difficult because I've lived so long in this space of believing this outside expectation that I don't really, I don't know that I can do what you're asking to do, but I wish I had known it when I was 50. And then the 50-year-old said, I wish I had known it at 30. And then the 30-year-old said, I wish I had known it. And so now I do a program at Harvard twice a year, working with young women in this women's initiative and leadership, helping them identify their core values. They read the book. But, you know, people say wisdom comes with un- with age, but it doesn't. It comes with understanding, which is why you can meet a 16-year-old that you're like, goodness gracious, have you been here before? No. <laughs> it's that they have gained understanding. It's not about age. They are 50-year-olds who act like they are 16. Mm-hmm. And that is because they have not gained understanding. Absolutely. I agree with that. Wisdom comes with understanding. So, so you touched on... Mm-hmm. Your patented trademark work, your value identification process. Talk us through, Mm -hmm. let's say there was someone, we'll call him Ted, who who was trying to, just for example, hypothetical, you know, um, you you were trying to help him to get clear on his values. What what would, how would you help Mm -hmm. Ted to get clear on his values? Help Ted, Monica, help him. I will I will try to help look, I will try to help hypothetical Ted. Right. Right. So if I were helping hypothetical Ted, I would have him to identify his pet peeves and the things that really get his goat. You know, mm-hmm. these are things not not minor irritations, but what are things and behaviors that people do or that he experiences that cause him to have an emotional and visceral reaction. On the other side of every true pet peeve is a value. Hmm. So, for instance, um, in real life, before I started doing this work, if a person blasted music in a quiet neighborhood or if I was at a restaurant and a table got really loud, I would become visibly and emotionally Hmm. different Hmm. because, for me, it was so inconsiderate for people to impose their will, their being in my in my space. I didn't ask for it. I'm not part of what you're doing, but you are imposing. Before I understood that we don't all share the same core values, I would it would take away from the present for me. So now I'm I'm consumed with the value what I call a value confrontation. So once you list your, and there's an exercise on my site, actually, the VIP, um, which you list your pet peeves, and these are your top five to seven button pushers. Again, they're not like, you know, something that doesn't bother me is people interrupting me when I talk. Like, for some people, that will send them over the edge. It's just not a thing for me. Some people in meetings, it's, oh, my God, he disrespected you. Did you hear him talking right over you? And I don't notice it. Because I'm going to get my point across, so you interrupting me doesn't matter. But if if that was a pet peeve for me, and I and the value I had a value that matched, then that might bother me. It's why some people can tell you a story about how angry they are, and at the end of the story, you're like, uh, I don't get it. I don't. It's not a big deal. Why are you so upset? Well, because it wasn't a, a value confrontation for you. So once you identify those pet peeves. You literally have to go through a list of values and try to identify which of those values, which which of those values were confronted during that pet peeve. And sometimes you end up with four or five words for one pet peeve, but as you continue through the process, um, you'll end up with one word and you'll be able to define it and you'll be able to look across all aspects of your life to see that it still holds true. Hmm. Okay. So, Britton, I, I can tell you're chomping at the bit to get a question in. 
I, yeah, so she 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 said she um well Monica said she's not the not the come to me with you if you need a tissue moment and all I could think about was from a millennial standpoint, you know, we're a, a, a generation full of uh of folks who are instant gratification and uh that was also what she said was her initial target audience, that thirty to forty five group. How do you reach those folks, especially millennials and even to uh, an upcoming uh, Gen Zer group who live for that social media and live for that attention and the acceptance and, and, and support from their peers? So I believe, and it's so, you know, this is the, the part that sometimes makes me feel overwhelmed is how many things I have left to do and how many soldiers I need, and not just me, you know, other people who are doing this work need in this work, is that we've got to find a way to help. Because my kids are the guinea pigs of this work. They're 15 and 17 now, boys. And it is helping them. It's the questions that you ask, right? So, for instance, you know, if Kevin Durant, you know, decides to go to another team, or whatever, all the hoopla, he left the team. But, and I hear my kids going on and on about Kevin Durant's decision. And then I will say to them, please tell me the impact to your life of Kevin Durant's decision. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I don't say it sarcastically. I'm like, real talk. Like, I, you know, I feel your emotion and I respect it. I just need to know the impact here, like where, and so then when it gets down to it, there's value confrontations in it. So there is something, at least because one of my boys was more upset than the other. The other one was just, you know, egging on his big brother. He just wanted to support his big brother, but it didn't really matter to him. But the other one values loyalty. And so when something feels disloyal to him, it is actually an affront to one of his values. And, and now that he understands that, he cannot go so hard in the paint on what other people do for their own lives. I'm like, so you know what that tells me? That tells me that when you pick crew, when you say somebody is your friend, that loyalty has to be also a value that they have or something that shows up as loyalty or else they can't be in your tribe. So it's teaching, you know, it's at the end of the day, like my my younger son will say things like, let me see how many, you know, he'll look through my Instagram. He wants to know how many blue check marks follow me. Hmm. And then once he'll see somebody with a blue check mark, he will sarcastically in a jokingly way, but I'm sure if I did it, he'd be happy. But he says in a joking way, yo, can you ask him to follow your son? <laughs> and I'm like, and, and, and I said, to, and then what? Like, what are they following you for? Your Instagram's not interesting. Like, you, like what, what, are they, what are they following you for? Like, let's, let's talk about purpose and intention. Are you cloud chasing? And so it's just when you start asking the right questions and not preaching, they get to their own answers. But we're, we're talking to them in ways that, that make them think we don't believe in them, and then they're rebelling and shutting down. So we... The system is broken. We've got to ask them questions to see what the real issues are. Hmm. Excellent. And you're, you're working on another book too, right? Uh, Situational Self-Talk? Situational Self-Talk, yep. It's about mental chatter. Uh, eight, studies continue to show that 85% of our mental chatter is negative. Mm -hmm. So every time we try to have a positive thought, you know, we have these negative thoughts that come in and, and say a variety of things. And so I I want to be able to help people have a reference book, so to speak, that, you know, let's say you think you're going to get laid off or you think you're not first, you know, along enough in your career or looking at so-and-so, you think you should be that whatever that thing is, I want you to be able to turn to it or you're struggling in your romantic relationship or you failed at something. I want you to be able to turn there before you go too far down the rabbit hole of self-deprecation to be able to uh, pull yourself out of it uh, so that you can keep moving forward because too many people are stuck in that place of self-deprecation. And then my husband and I are working on a book called Parenting Together Apart, 
mm. where we, you know, when I grew up, uh, people in single parent homes, people say, oh, she comes from a broken home. And it always, it never sat with me because I thought about the love and the laughing and the, you know, my mother was very intentional about the male role models and the presence in our lives. So my sister and I didn't really have daddy issues. You know, we we had males who showed us what love looked like and, and you know, in its pureness and what we should expect from men and how we should be treated and all of that. So um, when, you know, at least in the Christian community, when you get divorced, you know, somehow the devil has this, you know, per them, the devil is at work and mm-hmm. your house is broken and your kids aren't well adjusted. And um, Donald and I decided that that wouldn't be our house, that we are still a unit and that we will raise well-adjusted and whole human beings together. It has nothing to do with who we are or what we want, but it is all about them. Wow. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I, I'm glad you're writing this book because even in my work, that's something I come across all the time. People start talking negatively about to themselves. You know, Eric, yeah. I'm, I'm always yeah. late. Eric, I am such a procrastinator. Eric, I am... And they start identifying with that, and they and they continue to walk yeah. in that negative behavior. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can't, you know, I've posted about this in the past. You can feel the emotion, but don't become it. Mm. I tell people to be very intentional when I say say you feel overwhelmed. Don't say I am mm. overwhelmed. Yep. Because you're telling your spirit that you are that thing, and then it just takes longer to get out of it because you've become one with it. You can feel it and not be it. If you can feel it, you can observe it. If you become it, then you're in it, and then you can't see it. Hmm. That's you know that's 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 really a you know a good point you make there. You know, oftentimes, and I've shared this where someone will come to you and they'll say, you know, you know, how's your day or whatever, and it's like, oh, you know, it, it was it was good. Now, you know you got a lot going on, right? A lot of things are moving and trying to get your arms around it. And and, and really, that's the only answer you really can give, right? Because if you give an answer mm-hmm. that sounds like, yeah, you know, I'm really dealing with a bunch of stuff or whatever, then they come back with some type of cliche thing of, oh, you can handle it and this, that, 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 that. It's like, okay, really, I didn't really, you know, <laughs> you know, do right. that. Or, you know, they give you some motivational, inspirational something that you really like I really didn't ask for that right now like I'm just kind of I'm you know I, I think everybody has a I call it a box that has their stuff in it that they're dealing with right you know work stuff family stuff health stuff you know you're just dealing with your box of stuff right and, and, mm-hmm. and most times there's not too many people that can really kind of help you with your box too much right you just got to kind of manage your box and your and your stuff and again not let it overwhelm you Right, but it's almost like, you know, people are like, How are you doing? You just gotta be like, Yeah, I'm doing great. But this box is real heavy on my back, but I can't tell you that because, mm-hmm. right. you know, we're just not trying to get get that deep into it. Yep. Yep, indeed. Absolutely. Indeed. Okay, well, good. So, and, and, and when is that coming out? Uh, great question. So, I have to talk to my editor. The hope is the spring. All right. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Well, good. And so you've got the books, and then th- this game. Th- this really fascinates me. The shifted game. Talk to us about that. <laughs> so um, my friends have said over and over again that we have to figure out how to put a conversation with Monica in a box. Hmm. And I laughed it off the first couple of times, but they wouldn't let up on it. And they said, you know, you're you change lives in the pool, right? When you're holding court or at the bar, when all of a sudden there's 20 people around talking about core values and label liberation and does that, and how do we replicate that? So I decided to come up with a card game that provokes conversations uh, around value alignment and uh, core values and labels and perspective and um, it, you know, it spans the gamut from love and career, marriage and uh, sex and raising kids and um, there's a whole host. So now I'm trying to get it as an app so that uh, people can choose the category that they want to, you know, you can either choose or you can do a random deck. 
if you if you like. But you know, I've had people playing while they're waiting in carpool for line with their you know the person they're on the phone with or people standing in line actually on the Tom Joyner cruise playing in line. So I think it's um, it's it's a conversation to help people identify core values and to liberate their lives from labels. Yeah, I, mean, I think it's just a really unique approach, yeah. having the card game and getting them to interact in a different way. I don't know anyone that's ever created a card game. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is the first. This is the first. <laughs> Man, it's like, instead of playing like Taboo, they're going to be playing this game right. at some point. Right. The core value game. Let's play that. <laughs> <laughs> wow, yeah, it's cool. called Shifted, and the tagline is, Will You Change Your Mind? Because the goal is to hear perspective where you're like, you know what? Actually, that's kind of true, you know, or this is why I think that. Yeah, that's interesting because, you know, and everyone has a perspective, right, on yeah. everything anyway, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, we think, our, I say all the time, our core values make so much sense to us that we think everybody should have them. So yeah. when we say, oh, my God, that's ridiculous, well, you're only basing that on your filter, Yes, yeah. you're not right, and they're not wrong. You, you just you can't get there because your filter won't allow you to process it in the way that they see it. Yeah, yeah, that's always a good way to stop a, any type of debate or argument. It's like no one's wrong here; everybody's right, right? right. And everybody's kind of like, okay, I'm good, right? Because that's what everybody <laughs> truly feels that you know they're right. Right. Absolutely. Well, Monica, I mean, you're just doing it, and you, you've also got shirts that have mm-hmm. your your branding on it that you that you offer on your website. Mm-hmm. Yep. No, you know when there's mostly most of them, unfortunately, are for women because we love sparkle and we love messaging. So um, I have some male <laughs> shifted because I. You know, my the population of men growing in the group has continued to increase. But, you know, shifted and uh, new levels, no label T-shirts sell mm. good, uh, well for men because I think they like the logo. <laughs> Do the new levels, no labels T-shirts come in an extra large? They do. All right. <laughs> not a sparkle. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm yeah. not gonna get the sparkle one, Ted. Okay. No sparkle. Yeah, no, no sparkle. I think everything's at the corevaluecompany.com. Yeah, that, that, um, Britain was trying to get the sparkle. Okay. Yeah, that's what I heard. <laughs> that's fine, too. No just take the label off the table. That's right. <laughs> but, but that's excellent. I mean, you, you have a very unique approach. And, and you know, I, I, in this space I'm in, I, I read things, I go to conferences, but I've never heard it presented the way you just presented it to us. Well, thank you. Excellent. So, so how can our listeners get more information from you? How can they get a hold of your books? How can they get that extra large shirt? Yeah. <laughs> um, if they go to thecorevaluecompany.com, there's a lot of goodies, tools, books, T-shirts. You know, there's products on there. There's videos, uh, video clips around a variety of subjects. So. Uh, social media handles and all of that is at thecorevaluecompany.com. Thecorevaluecompany.com. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Very good. So we're about to go around the horn, and this is where we actually, each of us kind of give a, a closing thought that we want the listeners to remember us by. So, so Monica, can you kind of summarize? I mean, you, you said a lot, but, but what's kind of one final mm-hmm. thought that you'd want to leave our listeners with? I would say don't, um, I'm losing the word right now. The final thought is around don't let people make you think how you feel and what you believe, what your core values are, aren't valid. Mm. Pay attention and stay present. Mm. Excellent. Okay. Fantastic. Ted? I like the whole concept uh, when asked a question about, uh, you know, when the what is my purpose question, the response was be, you know, kind of be present for the people, you know, be present, I guess, in that, that moment. I thought that was 
you know, that was really a, really a key thing to, to think about, you know, and to, and to actually, uh, you know, implement in how we deal with people, whatever that individual may need at that moment, you know, you need to be able to be, uh, you know, flexible to be able to provide, mm -hmm. what, you know, what's, uh, you know, what may be needed. So just not so much in a, in a box that you're always coming a certain way, but just being able to, to kind of adjust as necessary to give someone what they need in that moment. Great. Excellent. And also, Monica's one of those people that after you listen to it, you just feel smarter. Right? You just feel like I'm just, I got notes all over the place. I'm just like, man. You know, and somebody, I'm going to be running a common thread exercise by people. I'm like, man, okay, well, tell me about everything you like to do. And then, and what are you good at? And then lastly, what do people, what do they come to you for? I'm like, man, Ted, that's great. Hey, Ted, that's profound. That's, that's it. That's it. That's it. Good stuff. All right, that's excellent. Britain? Did we lose so, Britain? Oh, so, as I come from the, uh, the world of politics and, and public service, in my um, around the horn and closing piece, I'll be remiss if I did not take what Monica was saying and offer another subject who could very well be an interesting case to. Play the game shifted. Um, <laughs> this week we've seen uh, the President of the United States issue statements about the city of Baltimore. Um, and in, in what have been described as, as some of the most uh, unique and asinine uh, attacks on an American city and uh, uh, actual public service. The servant. There are actual uh, winners and losers, and although it's a political issue, it's not necessarily a partisan issue. Um, one of the persons that I have to applaud um, uh, above the, you know, service of the Honorable Elijah Cummings, who's done an outstanding job, great member of Congress, and Chair Overstreet, done an amazing job representing and leading the city of Baltimore. You also have the governor of the state of Maryland. Uh, uh, the governor of the state of Maryland, um, Larry Hogan, who stood by the city of Baltimore, mm -hmm. above party of loyalty, above above anything else, stood by the city of Baltimore, stood by Congressman Elijah Cummings, called Baltimore the heart of the state. And then there was also a loser in this, aside from uh, individuals who attacked uh, cities within the, within the country. Um, Congressman Mark Meadows, who challenged Congressman Elijah Cummings about being called a racist, and Congressman Cummings stood at his defense, and yet on this instance, you see Congressman Mark Meadows say absolutely nothing. So this is something that I think was right along the lines of where we see perspective, what we see, what we want our country to look like, what we want our views of America to look like, what we want our views of public service, leaders, leadership to look like. And again, all of that will be called to question and it should make each of us think and our talents, each one of our listeners, each one of our great Americans and patriots to not only go out and exercise their civic duties, but also play the game shifted. And <laughs> let's see if we can finish the mindset. <laughs> Absolutely. Definitely play that card game shifted. It's a game changer. So awesome. uh, my around the horn piece kind of ties back into what Monica was talking about. This whole thing, I, I thought she was spot on, this whole thing of chasing the label. And a lot of times what happens is you get into these unhealthy comparisons and you start comparing yourself to someone else. And you think, oh, they're, they're much farther along or I'm not as good as. It's very easy to fall into that. Sure. But then she hit on something else, this whole idea of the land of make-believe. Mm. So people, is that you're not really getting it. If you're trying to compare yourself to someone else, you're not getting an accurate picture. Yeah. Because they're in the land of make-believe. Yeah. You know, and it's, mm -hmm. it's so funny, just through the different circles, I, have, I know the backstories of people. Oh, yeah. And so there are people that you look at and think, oh, man, I want to be like him or her. Yeah. But you don't know that they're in a place of desperation. 
They're, they're mm-hmm. you just don't know the full backstory. And, and I think mm-hmm. the key of really being clear on what you value, and if you know you're moving in accordance to your values, you don't have to worry, compare yourself to someone else because yeah. you're, you're on your own track. Mm-hmm. So, so, yeah. so I, I think, I mean, that, that's my round the horn. And I, I'm just grateful to, uh, to Monica for really putting a different, completely different light and perspective on a topic we've all heard before. But her own, again, she's, she's being guided by her values yeah. and her voice. Mm-hmm. Ama- amazing, Monica. Thank amazing. you. Thank you. I feel smarter. I appreciate that. Yes, the, the collective IQ has increased on the 30-minute hour. <laughs> Thank you for having me on here. All right. And then, again, for our listeners, make sure you go to Monica's website, the core, core values. Dot, can you give give the website address one more time, right, Monica? Right, Make sure you get it right. right I don't want to mess up. Right. Absolutely. It is www.thecorevaluecompany.com. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so glad you did that. Right. Because you was about to send the listeners somewhere totally different. They're like, I can't find anything <laughs> on this site that Twig just gave me. <laughs> oh, right. Monica, you got to join us again in the future to tell us more about the great things that you're doing. Thank you. I would love that. Excellent. Okay, this has been an excellent episode of the 30-Minute Hour. Don't forget, you can find us on Facebook, on Instagram, and on YouTube by typing in the 30-Minute Hour. And until next time, have a great one.